The first thing that I noticed in him was his complete freedom from ego. There was, when you'd look into his eyes, you would never see in his eyes any sense of I. There was no personal reaction, likes or dislikes. That didn't mean he wasn't human. It meant that he didn't have personal likes and dislikes, but he was in every way free. You could feel that sense that when you were looking into them, you were looking into infinity. I lived with him for three and a half years, and uh, I have to say those were the most important years of my life. The memory of them is something that is so deep that I wrote this whole book, 300 and something pages, in three weeks, and hardly had to, not had, didn't have to edit it. It just flowed out. He was very even-minded under all circumstances, so that no matter what happened, he could never be disturbed. And yet, he could at the same time be very concerned for people. It wasn't that he was a cold fish. There was a story that Debbie Mukherjee from Calcutta, a disciple of his who lived at Mount Washington, and he told this story that uh, Yogananda, he was with Yogananda in the car one day and driving through the streets of Los Angeles. Yogananda said, stop here, stop here. So they stopped the car. He got out and walked back a few shops and went inside. And uh, it was sort of a junk shop. And he picked a few junky items and Debbie thought, what does he want with these things? And he came to the counter and added it up and the woman got excited, and when she saw the bill and when he paid her, she burst into tears. She said, I was badly needing just this, this amount of money today, and I, the time for closing was near. I was afraid it wouldn't happen. God himself sent you. That was the kind of compassion he had, and the omniscience that he had, that he knew this complete stranger, who was not a stranger to him, because she was a child of God. And passing by, she knew her thoughts and he went in to help her. There was one time and he, when he, he used to wear a cane, not because he used a cane, he didn't need it so much it was reminded him of the danda that swamis often wear, have it used in India and to remind you of the, to keep the spine straight. So in honor of that tradition, he walked with a cane and he went to a shop to buy a cane. And uh, he tried to argue with the man to get the price down because he was representing the organization. He wanted to be a responsible buyer. Then, after he'd paid the money and everything, he gave him much more money than the cane was worth and because he saw how, what a poor shop it was. And he felt sorry for the man. And the man said, you're a gentleman, sir. He gave him a beautiful umbrella. And then, um, uh, when he came home, he said, what a poor shop that man had. He just had the linoleum floor. I think I'll buy him a carpet. But this for complete stranger, he was that way toward everybody, absolutely loving. He knew all our thoughts. That was amazing to me. I was invited to a bar mitzvah in, in Beverly Hills. I'm not Jewish, but they wanted me to do the yoga postures. And uh, so I did them. And afterwards, a very atheistical 
psychiatrist got me in a corner and started talking about what's all this about, this yoga stuff and so on. And I told him a few things. I even mentioned a few miracles. And uh, after a few days later, he I could see him sort of thinking, well, next Wednesday at 11, I have room for this patient. But uh, when I saw Yogananda two, year, two days later, I used to serve him lunch for guests and then do yoga postures. And after the guests had left, I'd sit with him and we'd chat for a while. And uh, he, said, uh, he said, by the way, when you're with atheists and materialists, don't talk about miracles. And I said, you knew. He said, I know every thought you think. And he proved it to me again and again. There was one time in Hollywood Church where um, I used to be the minister of the Church in Hollywood of Self-Realization Fellowship. And uh, I, was, I was talking to a member there who was not a sincere member. And I mentioned to him that I would give, be giving the, the class on Wednesday. And he said, well, in that case, I'll be sure to come. Well, I knew he'd come anyway. I didn't want to buy or accept that insincerity. So I said, well, when you come, would you check people's pockets for garbage, please? For, in case they'd throw it. And it was not a dignified thing to say. And I saw Yogananda a couple of days or three days later. He said, by the way, when you're with guys, uh, with congregation members in Hollywood, don't talk about garbage. It isn't dignified. <laughs> but you couldn't, I couldn't get away with anything, but it didn't matter because I didn't want to get away with anything. I wanted him to know all my thoughts. It was not embarrassing to me because it was the only way he could correct me and train me. But uh, some people, I think, must have been rather embarrassed. One time, James Calder, he was a, a disciple of Yogananda. Yogananda said he'll find freedom in this life. But then he said, Divine Mother says so. I don't know how, but he'll find it. Anyway, James Calder was the minister of the church in, in Phoenix, Arizona. And he was coming to Encinitas to be able to see Yogananda or to talk with him. And uh, he was getting very hungry. And all those restaurants were closed. He finally came to one that was open. All they had was hamburger. And he thought, well, he won't know. So he had a couple of hamburgers. And Yogananda was talking to him on the phone. And at the end of the conversation, he said, by the way, James, when you're on the highway and you come to a restaurant that has nothing but hamburger, better not eat anything. <laughs> But uh, there was one who tried to get away with it. I never tried. I was happy. <laughs> <laughs>